Good morning. Welcome to Bethany Lutheran in Warren, Oregon. Today we continue our walk through the book of Mark. We are in chapter 10, verses 23 through 31, which read, Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My family and I were living in West Germany when the Berlin Wall came down. As the East Germans flooded into the West, they were almost as lost as the Sudanese refugees when Lutheran World Relief relocates them to Minnesota. There was a whole generation that grew up on only the barest necessities, and those were scarce. Many thought they were taking their skills and training with them when they fled to the West, and they would find jobs in comparable situations. The reality was that the butcher looked like an apprentice because he had never cut up a whole side of beef. The best parts never reached the open market, they were kept for the elite. The mechanic did not know how to work on modern cars. All he had ever seen were the bare bones Soviet cars, the Trabis, not the BMW, the Mercedes, or the Volkswagen. The doctor was unfamiliar with modern medicine and the wide variety of medications we take for granted. The reality was that these refugees had no money, no possessions, and no marketable skills. They needed serious charitable help. When the eastern side of Germany was first cut off at the end of World War II, the new German government wrote into law that whenever the reunification of Germany took place, that the Eastern citizens would be welcomed and assimilated back into German society. When the wall came down, our West German neighbors flooded into the streets to cheer, hug each other, cry, and toast the future of a new united Germany. However, by the end of the first year, 
the celebrations and joyful tears of reuniting with extended family had turned to resentment and complaining. Millions of Deutschmarks had been spent on supplying housing and furnishings, food stamps, and medical and dental care for these needy people. The government reserve was dwindling and still there was need. People complained in newspaper editorials and at local cafes about these former Soviets sucking them dry. What caused the change in attitude? It was all about the love of money. We worked for it and they just take and take. The West Germans were not suffering in any way. Their standard of living had not changed, and yet they resented being forced to be charitable. The churches in the former Soviet Germany also felt a huge change. Now the churches in West Germany were almost empty. The people were doing quite well economically. They felt no need to humble themselves before God or anyone else. Prosperity had choked their very life out of faith. The church in East Germany was outlawed by communism, but the people were living in oppression, deprivation, and under constant threat. They needed hope somewhere and found it in God. Their faith was deep and central in their lives. The church met in secret in small groups in homes, but it was thriving and growing. As money poured into the former East Germany, bit by bit, the people became more comfortable and self-sufficient. They no longer needed to look outside themselves for hope, and the church dwindled away. Their full pockets were all they needed. The scriptures are consistent about wealth. It has a way of taking over your heart and life. Prophets like Amos warned against the dangers of wealth. God is far from being neutral about the way we use our money. God puts some serious effort into helping us develop a proper heart posture toward it. In fact, the Bible mentions money, wealth, and possessions over 2,000 times. In the Gospels, Jesus echoed that warning again and again. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus points out that money and God are rivals. Matthew 6, 24, if you love money, you will despise God. You cannot serve both God and money. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the seed on the thorny ground did not bear fruit because the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and it yields nothing. Mark 4:19. It's incredibly easy to justify our love of wealth. What once was a luxury that only a few could afford has now become a necessity that everybody has to have. Think about what is a normal size television? Or should I ask, who still uses a 19 inch screen TV? Can you remember when a 19, 19 inch screen was considered uptown living? Now a 40 inch flat screen is considered barely adequate. 
Who has a phone that costs more than $30? Who has a child or a grandchild who has a phone that costs more than $30? Who is not waiting to explain to me that more expensive phone is a necessity? If you know how to read and write and your home has electricity, and if you're listening to this sermon online on your own device, you are in the top tier of the world's most wealthy people. By now, some of you are thinking, what is with pastor two weeks in a row preaching about money? Yet no one ever comments, five weeks in a row pastors preached about sin. If someone feels a little uneasy or put upon when listening to a stewardship sermon, perhaps the topic is hitting home. Most of us do not like anyone telling us how to handle our own money. And that leads us right to today's gospel text. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The challenge is clear. One can either embrace wealth or one can embrace faith. Now let us remember, money is not evil. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The problem is not the money. It's the false security, the self-sufficiency, the power, the control that money gives is the problem. Last week, we saw through our Amos text how the wealthy to whom Amos had been sent to prophesy were always wanting more, and they cheated the poor who had no power to accumulate more riches. Their greed was never satisfied. Think about it. We take a job offer because it will be better pay. That job will require us to work Sundays. We may not want to be missing church week after week, but the pay is too good to turn down. Money won out. A father finally moves up into upper management positions. It will mean more late nights to guarantee project deadlines are met. He won't be home for dinner with the family or get to his son's sports events. But the extra money means the family can buy the vacation property they've had their eye on. Money won out. It's all about priorities. What do we value? One commentator said, the call to follow Jesus does not constitute an additional obligation in life, but rather judges, replaces, and subordinates all obligations and allegiances to the one who says, follow me. Christianity is not a hobby among others, but a way of life. Our God is a jealous God, and he will tolerate no rivals. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. When Jesus said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone rich to enter the kingdom of God, he was reminding us that it is impossible to enter the kingdom of God unless God makes it so. 
And God cannot make it so if we keep control over our life. God says, give me your life, all of it, your time, your money, your loyalty, your thoughts and desires, your priorities, all of it. God calls us to be all in with his kingdom because he is all in with us. It may seem that you have to give up a lot for God, but it is only then that your joy can be complete and your future secure in a love that never ends. And only then, when our hearts and minds are in Christ Jesus, will we know the peace that passes all understanding. Amen.